What's up, Cape Christian? How you guys doing? Yeah. No tropical storm going to keep us away from the house of God this weekend, right? Fred Schmred, right? That's exactly right. Also, love to welcome all of our wonderful church online, our online campus. We love you from joining us from all over the globe. If you, are, if you don't catch it, it is a big deal that every weekend we have literally people from uh, several continents, several states, l- cities all over America that join us, and they call Cape Christian their home as well. So we love you. We're gl- aren't we glad that they're with us as well? Yes, we love you guys. Awesome. We're going to dive right into week three. We are about almost a halftime of our Get Your Life Back series. And this has been uh, based off of a book. We're doing a series and we've been encouraging everybody to get the book, get the, get the app, do the work because I believe God has taken us as a church somewhere. And the premise of this series and the premise of this entire book is that our soul is not meant to live the way we're living. We are at an unsustainable pace and we cannot sustain what is happening to the barrage of input information. And so um, we believe that God loves us so much that he wants to help us put some things in our lives and take some things out of our lives so we can get our light back. Jesus said it this way, uh, the one verse that kind of captures this whole idea, we, we really talked about this last week, John 10, 10, it says, the thief comes to steal only, to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full, have abundant life. And so the enemy of your soul, the devil, is working overtime to steal and kill and destroy you and rob you and rob your joy and rob your family and your connections and your depth and your union with God, not only your material possessions, but the internal things as well. But Jesus reminds us that he came so that we could fully experience life and not just this survival getting by life that we see everybody else doing, but a life where the world takes notice and goes, you have something I don't have. And so in week one, we talked about how our ultimate goal is union with God. Uh, In week two, we talked about last week all the noise and, and, and maybe perhaps God has been speaking to us all along if we would just turn back and turn down some of the other channels and noise in our life. And so we want, we've said we, we believe everybody's going to be blessed and we want, I'm, I'm encouraging everybody to get the book. The book is Get Your Life Back by John Eldridge. It just came out last year. Um, with it comes the Pause app. Uh, how many of you guys got the Pause app? Raise your hand online if you got the Pause app doing it. Okay, listen, you, I just got to conf- I got to tell it myself. Uh, I have problems, guys. Like I have issues. So like I've been doing the pause app long enough where I'm like, I don't need a minute. I can do this in like seven seconds. <laughs> God, I give you everything and everyone. I was created for union with you. Fill me with your spirit. Let's go. Like the whole point of the pause app, that took like four seconds, by the way. The whole point of the pause app is that you would slow your pace down and just reflect on God and leave it to your pastor to be like, I don't need a minute. Just give me seven seconds. Like we're good. Uh, and so uh, I, I just, um, I have problems. I have issues. So pray for your pastor. Um, And today I want to talk about the best trade. I want to talk about an exchange, the best trade. See, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus was telling his disciples, he was saying this, he was saying, I'm about ready to sacrifice my life on behalf of the world. I'm going to go and I'm going to get arrested and I'm going to die. And his disciple, Peter, was so passionate about having Jesus' back. He was like, no way, Jesus, you'll never do that. I'll never let it happen. And, And Jesus actually rebukes Peter. And he says, Peter, I appreciate your passion, but what you don't understand is you only have the concerns of humanity or you only have human concerns in your mind, but I'm actually concerned about what's best for everyone. And Peter didn't have the concerns or the heart of God. He only could see what he thought was most important to him. And so Jesus then reminds him and the rest of the disciples in Matthew chapter 16, he's like, you gotta remember this thing works different in my kingdom. He says, then Jesus says in verse 24, uh, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life must actually lose it. 
but whoever loses their life for me will actually find it. And then he says this in 26. He says, what good will it be for someone or any of us to gain the whole world? Get all of it, all of it, but forfeit your soul. What good is it? Or can anyone give an exchange for their soul? Jesus asks a great question. What good is it to get all the stuff that we're constantly being bombarded saying, this is how you find eternal bliss and peace and happiness and you'll make it. And what good is that gonna be for you if you get all those things, but it costs you your soul? What can you trade for your soul? Jesus says it's not good for us to gain everything in the world if it costs us our soul. And so what I wanna talk about this weekend is what are we possibly trading for our soul? Let's pray. God, we, uh, we want you to give us ears to hear your word. God, I pray that your word would come alive in our hearts and our lives. Uh, I say this every weekend and I mean it, God. Nobody needs to hear from Corey. They need to hear from the living God who is the lover and creator of their soul and their life and author of our, our life. And so God, I pray that your, uh, that your word would, would inspire action, that we would leave transformed or at least, uh, at least convicted enough to know we need to make some changes and, and transform. I, I thank you, God that in a, in a chaotic world, in, 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 a, in a world that just seems like it, it's just never gonna stop, that you care about our soul and you care about us enough to confront maybe living patterns or ideas or behaviors that are actually damaging ourselves and, and that you would speak to us and say, I want you to have life. So God, I pray that you would speak to us and that we would experience that full life that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know what kind of an elementary school you went to, but how many of y'all remember lunchtime at elementary school? Now, I think it's funny that we decided to call it lunchtime because lunchtime was not actually about eating lunch. It was the greatest game never talked about in lunchtime, and it was called the Great Exchange. Nobody went to lunch going like, man, I can't wait to eat this sandwich. The game every day was, I know what my mom put in my bag, but there's like a zero chance I'm eating this. The real challenge, the real entertainment, the real game was, what am I about to get for this peanut butter jelly sandwich, this mushy banana, and this yogurt gogurt. Like, like I know moms did her best, but I'm gonna, and so we would sit down, and I don't know if you guys experienced this, but it would sit down, and it was like bell ring, whatever, and it's like, all right, it was like the bull and bear market. It was like the New York Stock Exchange, like pears, 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 apple, 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 apple. You know, like I gotta, you know, we weren't eating wraps back there, everybody had sandwich. And, and so it became this, like, you wanted to be on the good end. You wanted to like, man, I, I don't really like the strawberry jelly. I don't have the heart to tell my mom, but I know my boy does. So I'm like, hey, I got the strawberry jelly. Like, give me the turkey, all right. Hey, I got this banana. You try to cover up, you know, you hold it real careful. You cover up all the mushy part. You're like, I got a brand new banana, like, oh, yeah, apples. And so like, and you always wanted to be on the right end of the trade, right? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, and for some of us, we were so competitive. We didn't even care if we ate. We just wanted to win the game. I just wanted to know I ended up with better than what I started with. And so, you know, you, all, you didn't want to be the guy who like started with Twinkies and ended up with a mushy banana, right? Like nobody wanted to be that person. You wanted to be like, oh, I wanted to be on the, the better side of this. And it was, it was such a fun thing. And, and what you learn, even in elementary school, is there's different kinds of trades, right? Even at, even at the lunch table, you realize there's kind of three types of trades. There's bad trades where you end up on the wrong side of the deal. It's like, how did I have this beautiful lunch? 
And now I have a half-eaten yogurt, some applesauce I don't like, and a green, you know, whatever. Like, what happened? Or there's a fair trade uh, where, you know, it's like, you don't really like strawberry jelly. Your buddy doesn't really like grape jelly. Your moms don't know any better. So you're like, win-win, right? Like, you give me yours, I give you. That's a fair trade. It's a win-win situation. We both got this. Or you want to be on the, the, be- the, the third trade is the best trade, right? Like the winning side. It's like, man, mom didn't even try today, but it's all right. I like a challenge. Let's go. What can we do? You know, and all of a sudden you're eating like, Oreos and a yo- you're eating like Oreos and Twinkies and then you get like a nutty bar you wash it down with a little a cinnamon applesauce and, and you're and like you gave away like a mushy banana and half of like a old turkey sandwich that probably shouldn't have been eaten let's just call it let's just call it what it is you, that's called the best trade and so we're constantly doing this, and I think we have these in our lives and and I want uh, to talk about make making sure that we're on the best trades when it comes to our life and our soul see Kind of like the elementary lunch table, I think constantly, subtly, not so subtly, um, uh, in, in, in our media and even just with the way our culture is, we are constantly, hey, 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 here, here, you need, you need, let's do this, let's do this. And there's constantly this kind of pull and push of, of you should, you should, you need, you need, you should, you should. And if at some point we don't have some sort of frame of how we were built, what is our, our, our kind of our uh, standard of living and how God wired us, we're just gonna be like, yeah, I should do that. And yeah, we should do that. Yeah, we need to do that. And at some point we need to have something in our soul that can maybe say, no, I don't. I don't have to date a million people. I don't have to work 77,000 hours a week. I don't have to have achieved a master's degree by the time I'm 24 or else I'm just gonna be behind the rest of my life. I don't have to take that job because it's more money. I actually could, I don't have to put my kids in everything. I don't have to, but we're constantly being told and, and I believe that there's an exchange that God has for us. And so we've been going slow through this series and, and kind of building up to this and even some practical, removing the noise, finding union with God. Um, starting Monday, we're all doing the 21 days of prayer and fasting together. Uh, so excited about this. Uh, I've been really encouraged by how many of you are taking the fasting part seriously and either giving up meals or social media and, or this. It's so funny how many of you have talked to like, well, my job requires me to do social media. And like, what if I just do my workout video or I just do this? I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Just if you find yourself four hours later still on TikTok, you might, not ha- you might have a problem. You know what I mean? Like, so go do your job, but then get off or whatever the case may be. Um, and so I want to talk about some habits. I want to talk about some, an exchange, some habits that I think the world is just kind of saying, here's what you got to do. Like, this is what, if you're going to make it, this is what you got to do. And it's like, what's required to survive in our current day and age. And so one, I'm going to give you just, there, there's about a hundred of them, but I picked five. I just five, five habits that are just so easy to just become a, a part of our life without even thinking about it. And the first one is just simply this, addicted to phone. It's so easy to become addicted to phone. We could spend an entire series just on this. I'm not going to, again, because phones in and of themselves are not bad, but they, they are a potential danger. Um, there's, some fascinating, there's some fascinating statistics I can't even quantify for you. Um, as of today, five quintillion bytes of data are now being created every day. Here's the craziest part about that. Only one half of 1% of it is ever even being reviewed or used. So 99.5% of it is of the data being created is neither being used nor reviewed. This part is crazy. I about fell on the floor when I read this. Every two days, every 48 hours, we now in this current culture are developing as much information as we did from the dawn of civilization to 2003. It's true. Every two days, the amount of new information and data and we're pumping out in the world would be from Adam and Eve to 2003, post 9-11. That is 
insane. Remember, the iPhone came out in 2007. Uh, and by 2020, 1.7 megabytes of new information is being created every second for every human being on earth. There's so much information. There's so much, and there's so much. Now our jobs and our connected and our friends and all these things. And again, there's nothing wrong in and of itself with a phone, but we have to be very, very, very careful. Uh, there's all kinds. I mean, if you're a parent, hopefully you've read one study because there's a billion of them on the, the negative impact that uh, phones and technology have on kids, especially too young of an age and over not just the blue light, but the addiction and, and the, it leads to anxiety and ADD. And there's, there's I mean, it's, it, it's, it's so widespread. Hopefully you've, you're aware of that. If not, I would start reading it and, and, and get on that. But, but a habit is like, you just got to have it. I got to have it. I, what, what am I going to miss out on it? And, and, and I, I think sometimes it may be sucking a little bit of the soul out of us. Another habit is just simply being ruled by money. Listen, there's nothing wrong in and of itself by money. By the way, um, if you ever grew up in a religious environment and somebody told you that money is the root of all evil, you were lied to. There's nothing wrong with money. Money's like a phone. It's neutral. What the Bible says is the love of money is the root of all evil. The have to have it, the insatiable need to have more and the do whatever it takes to get more, that's a problem. But money creates options. Money builds the kingdom. Money blesses people. Money helps people. Money is not, but if your life is ruled by money and the pursuit of money, and now all of a sudden, every decision you make is based on finances, uh, then now you might have a problem. Something that I had a mentor tell me that, like I thought it was kind of common sense, but it doesn't even seem common sense anymore. It's just because you have an opportunity to make more money doesn't mean that's what God wants you to do. What do you mean? Doesn't God want me to always be blessed? Yeah, blessed is way more than finances. I, <laughs> I have friends, you probably do have jobs and they tell me how horrible their jobs. I'm like, you couldn't pay me enough to, work, to deal with that. Some things aren't worth it. Some things aren't worth the extra 25K or, or bonus or whatever the case may be because of the toxic environment, what's demanded and you have to be available all the time and, and they demand 10 a.m. If I, if I send you an email at 10 p.m., you better respond and da, 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 da. And you work for a tyrant and it's tyranny and it's terrible and it's toxic. Some jobs demand that you be available all the time. They demand you be addicted to your phone. That's a habit or just our world with, kind of without thinking is like, you gotta do this. Uh, the third one, striving for more. Just more, 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 go more. We gotta have more. It's never enough. It's never enough. Um, the problem is it's just never enough. And we get on this hamster wheel and it could be more energy. It could be more things. It could be more time. It could be more money. Just it's, it's, again, there's nothing wrong with improving and growing and upgrading. That in and of itself isn't bad. But when it's, when it's never enough and you're never content and you're never satisfied, it's something is pulling the, the soul out of us. And we don't even realize that we're just going with the flow. Uh, the fourth one, um, I blame on my friends, um, Maverick and Goose, 1985. Uh, it's, <laughs> The need for speed. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I feel the need, the need for speed. Ow! You know what I mean? Like, if you know, you know. Uh, but the, like, this is, I mean, this is me. Like, the need for speed. Why take a minute pause when I can say the prayer in four seconds, right? Like, uh, which is totally not the point. The prayer isn't the point. The pause is the point, Corey. Thank you. Somebody got something out of church today. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> But it's just, it's always this, this go, it's multitasking. And now it's multi-multitasking. I mean, it's texting and driving, right? We all know it's bad, but we do it anyway. Did you know you're, did you know that you are six times more likely to get hit by somebody who's texting than somebody who's drinking? Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's the, 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 the statistics of texting and driving and the dangers of it are crazy. And we know it, but we can't even wait to the next stop sign or red light or whatever to even check, let alone the next time we get to the place that we're going. But again, why? Because some of us have a job that requires, we're ruled by money. We have a job that is more and we have to be addicted to our phone. And if I miss that email by 30 seconds or I'm on this and it could have cost me this much or my job or whatever the case may be. And multitasking and, and now modern science and psychology has basically shown that there's no such thing as multitasking, right? 
We've actually just gotten so good at our attention going ping, 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 ping. You can never actually focus on two things at one time. And some of us are just gifted at ping, 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 and others of you aren't. So, um, or how about this one? Convenience eating. This is just a habit, a habit, convenience eating. It can be emergency eating, it can be urgency eating, but just the, the, the sheer things that we put in our body. Again, no shaming anyone, but the American obesity rate is getting close to 50%. 50%, why? Because what we put in our body is very different than it was 100 years ago. Let me read you something uh, that was uh, written by uh, New York Times bestseller nutritionist, Michael Pollan. Um, he's, did you know that there are 17,000 new food products that show up in the marketplace every year? Did you hear what I said? 17,000 new food products. We haven't discovered 17,000 new plants God made that we didn't know existed. And this is what he says. He says uh, uh, that we are actually eating bioengineered food that is real, uh, non-processed food. Convenience eating, and, and why? Because why do we convenience eat? Because we don't sit down and connect as a family. We don't have time on Sunday to sit down and have a plan and go, what's Monday through Friday gonna look about? And what do we wanna put in our body? And where are we gonna shop? And where are we gonna prioritize our money? And, and then all these things, it's like, we gotta get the kids to the thing. And I had the board meeting and the thing went late. And I know I should eat a salad, but man, I love Chick-fil-A and whatever the case may be. And, and, and eating right takes planning and it takes money and it's, it's harder and it's, it takes longer. And so convenience eat. And these have become just what we call soul crushing habits. And, and, and I would call this tyranny. And I, my question is, who in the world told us we had to do this? Who said it had to be this way? But most of us, it's like, oh, it's what we got to do to survive. It's what we got to do to go. And I believe God is like, no, you don't. Jesus would say, I actually came to give you life. And so what if there was an exchange in fact, I don't know if you were on uh, social media, you got 12 hours left. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, which some of us are, some of us aren't. It's okay. I am going to go on a little, bit, a little bit every day. I know I said I got off social media. I want to say I do get on. I respond to things. I have a very a limited time. That's more what I meant. Uh, so if you've like said something to me or, or I've responded, I'm like, yes, I'm still on there. I'm just not like living on it. Um, but we said, we asked the question on Instagram and Facebook, what do you hear? What do you think of? Or what's your response when you see the word slow? And a bunch of you responded and it was all, almost all negative. Lazy, gross, uh, I don't have time for this. Get out of my way. Uh, snowbirds in the right lane. Like we, that's all just all there. It's all there. It's, I'm not saying that. That's what you said. Uh, it's true. So like as, as we asked the question, what do you think of slow? And so all of a sudden now we live in this culture and society where slow is like a bad word. Slow is like, it's, it's, it's synonymous with not good enough, can't hack it, get out of my way. You must not have value. You must not have quality. You must not be about it or whatever. And what if, what, if soul, what if slow might be a little bit better for some of us? And so when Jesus said, I came to give you life, when he said, what can you, what is it, what is it, what do you gain if you get everything, but you lose your soul? What if we could trade some soul crushing habits for maybe some life giving practices? And so I want to introduce, I want to give you five kind of life-giving practices that I think is the stuff that if Jesus were still here today, he'd be like, guys, this is what I'm talking about. And you're going to see they're connected to this. So uh, number one, parent your phone. Parent your phone. <laughs> what does that mean? You ever raise kids? Who's in charge? The parents, right? Put your phone before, to bed before you do and make it sleep in. And tell it, sometimes you got to go away. I'm going to have some me time. 
parent your phone. It's just that simple. I don't know how many of you had kids or know of kids with they have the red light, yellow light, green light alarm clocks, you know? Um, every most parents have at least one kid who wakes up at the dawn of 4 a.m. and they're like, I'm ready, let's go. And so they have these alarm clocks where if it's a red light, you have to stay in your bed. If it's yellow, you can stay in your room and build Legos or read. You have one of these apparently. Um, and, but you can't come out. And only when it turns green can you actually come out of your bedroom. Like it's, it's actually really, I have a, a nephew or a niece that had to live by that. I think she still does. Uh, but my point is why? You're, you're training them. Like I'm, I'm, I can't be available to you all the time. Like I so love that you're so alive and awake at 5 a.m., but I am not. And if it's true for a, a, a fifth grader or a five-year-old, maybe it should be true for your phone. Maybe you don't even look at it or turn it on until after you've had breakfast, had a shower, had your quiet time, your prayer time, whatever the case may be. Did you know that 75% of people sleep next to their phone and nine out of 10 people check their phone before they even like get out of bed? Like immediately upon waking. So what if we were, what if we were in control of our phones? What if they went on a, on a, on a, on a island somewhere in another room and by 8 p.m. they were done, they were down. The phones go to bed at eight. Kids at 8.30. <laughs> Parents at 8.31. <laughs> We've all been there. Number two, trust God for provision. What if instead of being ruled by money, we took Jesus at his word when he says, um, I, I, if I know how to take care of, of birds and I know how to take care of flowers who have literally no value, I'm pretty sure I know how to take care of the greatest thing I ever created that also has my image that I love the most, which is you. When, when he says, uh, I, I will provide, if you seek me first in my kingdom, all the things you need will be added to you. See, this tells us where, where, we, where our trust and our hope is and that we can, we can have this, but we're, we're understanding that, that my job, uh, my pastor always told me, my job is not my provider, my, my savior is. My savior uses my job to provide for me, but I know where my faith and my hope lies. Number three, what if instead of striving for more, what if we paced for tomorrow? What does that mean? Rhythm. Balance, not saying yes to everything. And, and what if it's saying no to a lot of things so you could say yes to a few great things? You, if you studied the back in the Old Testament in the times of Jesus, the Torah, like there were seven to 10 festivals a year where God basically said, stop, shut it down, shut it down. He says, don't do any work. Pray and fast and then have three to seven days where all you do is party and have a festival. That's it, that's it. Don't work, if you work, I'll kill you. It's actually in Leviticus, it's true. Why? Because he knew, if, he knew that if we didn't learn that, if at some point we didn't stop working, he, it, would, it would kill us. So three, three times a year, they would have a, a, a day of prayer and fasting and seven days of a festival and then a bunch of other ones throughout the year. It's like God knew in a calendar year, like seven to 10 times uh, we had to take weekends off, extended weekends off. And it wasn't like, oh, I don't have to go to work. So let's cram our calendar. What are we doing Labor Day weekend? We got the barbecue, we got the boat, we got the blah, 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 blah. And then you go to work on Tuesday and everybody's sunburned and fried and hungover. It's like, how was your weekend? They're like, I'm ready to die. It's like, forgot sunscreen, did you, Fred? You know what I mean? Like, uh, that's not what those festivals were. It was stopping, it was pausing, it was connecting, it was talking. It's the, it's the difference between can we versus should we? When was the last time when you had an opportunity to in increase something into your calendar? You didn't say, should we? You, or you didn't say, can we? You said, should we? It's one more night a week, it's one more thing, it's one more budget item, whatever the case may be. And here's what's really interesting is the language that we tell ourselves and what comes out of our mouth really drives us. Because what I've noticed, what's really fascinating is I hear the word need a lot. You ever hear this? Oh, I need a Starbucks. I need a second property. I need a third car. I need another boyfriend. I need, like we say the word need, but we really mean 
Want. That was for church online. <laughs> want. I want, but what we do is when we say the word need enough, we actually psychologically convince ourselves we need it and it creates problems for us emotionally when we don't get the thing that we need because if you actually need oxygen or you actually need food or you actually need shelter, you get in a desperate place and crazy things happen. But if you don't need all the extra stuff that you actually think you want, but you convince yourself you need it, you will act like a starving person or a homeless person or somebody who's willing to do whatever to survive. And we are acting like we have to do whatever we do to survive, but it's not survival, it's just for more. And so what if, it's, what if we could learn like, I, I don't need this, but I really would like it. I would love to do this. I would desire that. If, even if you could start that language, it will have a profound impact on your, again, your soul. And the last two, number four. Walk. Walk. Sounds terrible. Did you know that every other country in the world walks slower than Americans? Every other country in the world. And a lot of places you have to walk to get places, bike. But here's what's interesting. What if you just decided that to get some of your life and to get some of your soul back four to five times a week, you were just gonna go on a 15 to 30 minute walk? No phones. Just, just four to five times a week, you pull into the, the driveway. If you have a family waiting for you, you go and you kiss them and you say whatever. And, and maybe you go, and then you go on a walk and you don't take your phone and you just are there with your thoughts and you have to feel things and you have to acknowledge what's really going on inside of you. And you get to enjoy the beauty of God, which Eldridge develops a whole chapter to. And you just go on a walk, 15 to 30 minutes. And your only goal is to be walking. Just allowing yourself with your thoughts and, and, and being there. And maybe if you do have a family, bring them with. We did this all the time during COVID. We still try to do it at uh, summers here and make it really not fun. But um, we, we do, especially when you have three-month-old and sweating. It's like, ah, you know. Um, we go for walks all the time. What do we do? And we don't take phones. We, we have our watches in case the house burns down or whatever. But we, we just go for a walk. And sometimes we take a basketball and we dribble it and we pass it or we throw uh, Nerf golf balls at each other. Sometimes we talk about our day or what we learned in school. And there's nothing amazing about it other than we just go for a walk. In fact, um, uh, I can't remember the website, something, somethinghealth.gov says, walking is a great way to improve and maintain your overall health. Just 30 minutes, four to five times a week can increase your cardio fitness, strengthen your bones, reduce excess body fat, come on somebody, and boost muscle power and endurance. You can also reduce your risk of developing conditions such as disease, type two diabetes, osteoporosis, and some cancer. And unlike some forms of exercising, walking is free and requires no equipment. Even if you don't got shoes, you can just barefoot it. Walk. What if, what if you just decided to get my soul back? What if step one was God was saying, just five times a week, go for a 30-minute walk? And, and here's what's crazy. I know some of us, just even imagining that stresses us out. Well, what else is gonna happen? Nothing. And you will survive. It'll be, it, it'll be amazing. And you will be, and I'll tell you this, if you do this, it'll be amazing what starts coming to your mind that white space, the, the noise, the, the God will be able to speak to you. You'll be able to process. You might actually reflect on something that happened earlier in the day and have a really brilliant creative follow-up thought in your job or a, hey, maybe I, when I do this, when I have spaces, when I realize I go back and reflect on a conversation, I'm like, oh man, I realized that could have come across a way I didn't mean that to. I wanna go back tomorrow. When I see them, I wanna go, hey, when I said that, I wanted you to know I was just, I, I meant this and I, I just was playing it over in my head and I want to make sure we're good because you value, I value you more than the conversation that was being had. Oh, I didn't even think about it. If I didn't go for a walk, that never would have had time to come into my head because I'd be like, next thing, next thing. Go for a walk. Under this idea of slowing, 15, 30 minutes, take your kids. 
And then here's the fifth one. Cook meals, eat in. A life-giving practice. Cook meals, eat in. And I want to walk you through this process. And I want to read, I kind of read part of it, but uh, how about instead of convenience eating, we get back to cooking and eating in instead. I, I mentioned uh, Michael Pollan, who's been New York Times bestseller. He's got a lot of stuff out there. Um, that the mood, uh, the most of the food presented us today is edible food-like substance. That's what he calls it. Edible food-like substance. That's what we eat most of the time. Think back to how 100 years ago, before bioengineered food was created, how our grandparents ate. They ate some, a lot of the same meals every day. They, they ate fruits and vegetables, more raw, more holistic. Uh, and again, not only did it help with their physical health, but it helped them with eat, eating non-processed food. Uh, and so let me, it, it has all kinds of positive effects. Cooking, eating, it helps your physical health. It actually attributes to your emotional health. If you um, almost always, if you go to a counselor, psychologist, they're going to at some point talk to you about your diet. They're gonna implement healthy eating and being outside, all the things that are, we're talking about. It also can help the health of the family. But here's the beauty, here's the beauty of this. In my family, we, we aren't amazing at this, but we try to do this. And when you, you decide you're gonna cook a meal and eat in and, and take this life-giving practice, it's not just like, well, we eat a little bit better on Tuesday night because it actually creates a whole week-long rhythm. Let me, let me invite you just a sneak peek behind the, the, the curtain of our lives. So every weekend on Saturday or Sunday, we look at our calendar, which requires us to sit down and have a conversation together about all kinds of things. That's healthy for marriage. And we go, okay, who's gonna be where, what nights? Okay, you're gonna take Madison to this this night. When, I have a board meeting. When are, we gonna, when are we gonna eat? Okay, what are we gonna eat these nights? We plan out a, a, a week ahead of time. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna smoke ribs this night. We're gonna cook burgers. We're gonna do a salad, whatever the case may be. We try to eat organic. We try to eat healthy. Uh, we, we're, trying to, we're getting old, so we're trying to not get old, as old as fast. Uh, so, and I, you know, like I said, I'm gonna be like 100 when my son graduates high school, so I gotta try to stay young. Um, <laughs> and so we do, we plan it out. And then we make a shopping list. And we figure out, what do we need? We go on lists and we're, okay, we got this and we're gonna need this lettuce and we're gonna need these. It's a lot of fruits and vegetables, a lot of fruits and vegetables, a lot of fruits and vegetables. Try to eat lean proteins. Again, we're not perfect at it. You know, yada, yada, yada. I love my carbonated beverages. So I've gotten rid of most of the Coke. Now it's Perrier, ugh, whatever, but at least it's still carbonated. Um, and then we have these, and then we, so we do, we go, and it's like, man, we gotta go shopping. Well, most places will do the shopping for you for free. So I take 30 minutes on Sunday night and I'm like, hey, Walmart, hey, Publix, hey, Target. When I show up, here's what I want you to bring me. Hey, Sam's. And most weeks I go three places because we get some things at Sam's and we get some things at Publix and we get the stuff that costs the same everywhere else that we're not really gonna eat at Walmart because I'm not gonna pay extra for that. Uh, and we do that. And then we sit down and then we come and then it comes home. And then here's the other thing. Then I come home on a Monday or, or whatever. And I, and I start, I, I make a lot of our meals because I love to cook. My dad had a restaurant. And when I cook, I'm achieving something that's not work-related and I'm focused on that thing. So usually I'm cutting vegetables or meal prepping and either right beside me or across the bar from me, about two feet away is my daughter. And we're having a conversation about how was your day? What did you learn? Uh, we try not to do that, the yes, no questions or how was your day? Fine, like tell me something you learned. Tell me, did anything funny happen today? So now we're engaging, we're having a conversation. My phone's somewhere else. And the meal usually takes 30, 40 minutes, prep sometimes 20. And then we sit down and we have a meal together and that takes 30 or 40 minutes and no phones and we just talk and we all sit there and we have a seating arrangement. Uh, and because Madison has to be at the head of the table, of course. Uh, she wants to sit by both parents. Uh, so, we have, so we talk and we connect. And then we all clean up together and we wash the dishes. Again, no phones. And then about this time, we usually have an hour, hour and a half left till it's time to start putting phones and people to bed. And so then it's like, what do we want to do? And we usually we'll play a game. Depending on how much time, we'll play a card game or a board game. We love to play games. Um, one of us, I won't say which one, doesn't love games, but loves their family. So they endure games so we can all be together. Uh, but the whole point is that we're together and not really available. And, and, and sometimes my phone goes off and sometimes I say, hey, I could get a call about this. If it goes off, I'm gonna answer it, but otherwise my time is yours. 
Sometimes we'll watch a movie. That's our time to watch a show or Netflix. I mean, it's been a while, so we are rewatching the Star Wars super trilogy right now. We're on Return of the Jedi. Uh, we'll start that tonight after um, service. Um, but we just have a time. And then we go to bed and we start getting ready for bed and it's kind of slow pace. And we do this. Can I just tell you this? We do this four or five times a week. And it actually has an impact on our entire rhythm and our entire budget and our entire week. And it takes a little bit more front end, but we're eating healthier. We plan for when we're gonna exercise. We plan for our family time because, because we want our kids to, when they get older, we want them to look back and remember the family meals. And it's not very convenient. There's a lot of meal prep. We've done Freshly before. We've done the other one where it takes an hour and a half to make it. I don't remember the name of all of them. Hello Fresh. we go back and forth. But, but for us, it's about being together. And so when I say cook meals and eat in, it's not just, oh, I'll eat a little bit healthier. I'm not saying that. I'm saying one decision like that, one life-giving practice can affect so many other things. And so we've already decided this. So we're gonna say no to a couple of extra things on Tuesday night or on Wednesday night. Or if I've been gone a while, it's like, hey, what if we take an extra few hours? And sometimes like, who do we wanna to invite to have dinner with us? We like dinner and we like people. So let's have some friends, let's have some staff. Let's invite them into this. And so this one life-giving practice has really been really, really good for our family. And, and, and I just go, I'll answer the question that apparently all of you have, because this is my job. I'm on right now, right? So you're all, everybody, you always want to know, like, are you always like this? I'm like, no, this is my job. Do you always act like you do at work? If so, some of you need to do better. Um, <laughs> so I come home and I listen and I dial back and, I, and it, it's so good for my soul. It's like, how are you this way? Because of this rhythm, this one thing, and these two things. We go for lots of walks and we cook meals and eat in and it really has had a profound impact. We, don't, we try not to do convenience eating. We try not to do the need for speed. And that doesn't come natural for me. But you know what we found? Slow can actually be more enjoyable. Finding more of God and that union with God and finding connection, meaningful connection with the people in your life requires creating space, stillness, quiet, saying no, fasting, praying, all of those things. There's a a ton of things we can do to connect with each other and connect with God. And that's what I think. I believe with all of my heart, hear this, and, and you can call this a prophetic word. I believe that God is wanting his church to start a revolution to go against the grain of the pace of this world so that we can experience the joy and peace and love and fullness that he has from us. Sincere followers of Jesus in every single age have faced difficult decisions, usually at the point of tension with and for their life with God that runs completely against the prevailing norm. I believe with my whole heart, this is ours. I believe with everything, like this, what we're talking about, the slowing and the life-giving practices and maybe emptying our cup as we talked about in week one, more of this is what we need. And, and what, what should be telling is how crazy it sounds, even when I, the fact that it sounds crazy, it's insane to me that it sounds crazy for me to suggest taking three weeks off of the news or taking three weeks off of a certain type of food or a certain type of movie or, or social media or whatever. We're doing a lot of different things. The fact that I was like, man, I don't even know how many, it's only three weeks. Like that should tell us that we are, we're missing it a little bit. But I wanna remind all of us, we are in charge and we have the choice. And our soul may be crying out, I need better. I wanna read to you what Eldridge writes in case you haven't read the whole book yet, page 41. He talks about the, the need for slow isn't just to limit like fear and anxiety, but they're starting to, to, they're starting to um, study the more noble and positive uh, instincts like love and compassion. And this is what he says. He said, it's not only deep thinking that requires a calm, attentive mind. It's also empathy and compassion. We have studied for a long time how people experience fear and react to threats, but it's only recently that we've begun researching the, re and, uh, the sources of our nobler instincts 
And he goes on to say, the higher emotions emerge from neural processes that are inherently slow. You know what this means? Slow may just in fact be the path to greater love, greater connection, greater joy, greater empathy. We want more meaningful connection in our relationship. It's probably not to do one more thing together, but perhaps to slow down if we're going to experience the inherently slow, higher emotions that are more noble. What is all this? This is just simply apprenticeship under the easy yoke that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 11. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And he says this in verse 30, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Where in your life is God inviting you to exchange, to trade, a life-destroying, soul-sucking habit for a life-giving practice. The trade is Jesus' rhythm, Jesus' yoke for the world and the societies. It's for this reason that we have the 21 days of prayer. We wanted to put a tool in your hand that pointed you toward the creator of the universe and uh, God's word and create that space. So we're gonna eliminate some things. We're gonna put it in. And I am so expectant of what God's going to do in your lives and in your hearts and in your souls for those of you who are going to make this a priority. If you're online, they're digitally available. If you didn't get it on the way in, they're, they're at tables on the way out. There's enough for everybody. And so here's the question. Here's the challenge. We got to pray this, right? Holy Spirit, show me where I'm trading my soul for the world. What are you asking me to cut out? What are you asking me to slow down? What are you asking me to say no? Where do I need to eliminate? Where do I need to surrender? What if I told you every day we're making the equivalent of lunchtime trades between soul-crushing habits and life-giving practices? I wonder how many of us think we're actually winning the trade, but in all reality, we're walking away with a mushy banana. But not just a mushy banana for lunch, but a mushy banana for our soul. So you're in charge. You have a choice. What are you going to do? What if we got serious and intentional aggressive and in the next 21 days, we started to take our life back. We started to get some life and joy and peace in our soul. And we started to find that union with God that he always created us for. We did three weeks leading up to this. And I believe if you will give God the space, I said in week one, he will always fill whatever space you give him. So what do you need to eliminate? What do you need to cut out? What life-giving practice do you need to adopt and start to implement into your family? Now, I'm going to pray and we're going to close. Before I do, I want to say this. Our favorite thing to do is invite people into a relationship with Jesus. We are not a church that believes you come to church to get closer to God. God is always with you and wants a personal relationship with you. And by confessing faith in him, he comes into your life and you get to have that union, that personal relationship with him. And if you've never done that, as I pray, I just want to invite you into that prayer and you can too join the family of God and start that relationship with God. And if, that, if that's you, if that's you, I, I'm gonna send you a video. We wanna walk with you. And so I'd love for you after the service to text KPS to 94,000 and we're just gonna walk with you and give you some tools. And so we would, we always wanna invite people into the relationship, into the family of God. And so if that's you, you're literally just taking his yoke and going, Jesus, come into my life and teach me how to do this. For the rest of us, we're choosing to deny ourselves and exchange what, what God has for what maybe we've been missing out on. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. I pray that you would reveal to us where are we trading our souls for the world? 
What do we need to eliminate? What do we need to cut out? Is there, are there things in our lives, God, that, that we need to slow down or surrender? Where do we need to be more like Jesus where we say, not my will, but yours be done? God, I, I pray that, again, this wouldn't just be motivating or, or informative information, but that it would inspire transformation. And so when we walk away or when we turn the computer or the TV off, that we would start to ask ourselves the questions, what do we need to do to experience more life in our souls? God, we know that you want us to have our life back. And so God, if there's anybody watching, anybody listening, I pray that there would be no shame or guilt in that where we're at, but that, you, that they would experience your love and grace and that you would empower us to experience more of what you have for us. If there's anybody who has never had a relationship with you, they've never said yes to a personal relationship with Jesus, that in this moment now, in their heart, in their mind, that they could just say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Come in and let me take on your yoke. I want your life-giving practices. I, I give up my old soul-crushing habits. Make me more like you. God, help us not just to hear it, but to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.